0: and welcome everyone to the cajun strong style podcast the game 1037 laugh Get at 104 One lake charles's exclusive pro wrestling podcast appreciate you listening in as always however you're doing so and if you haven't already make sure you subscribe that way you don't miss a single episode of all the hot takes i have about the sport of professional wrestling and let's waste very little time because i want to get to Probably the biggest topic for this pod. It's going to be more about the WWE. I'll get some quick AEW Dynamite thoughts out here because I just finished watching it. Again, this is taking this on Wednesdays. Next week is going to be a little bit different because we're not going to have a podcast during next Wednesday or Thursday, whenever I typically would tape it. We'll tape it after Extreme Rules next weekend. I know there's also going to be Bound for Glory as well, so a lot of stuff to get to in a short Period of time, so let's go ahead and get started with WWE. And I think the biggest question I have, and this is me just being honest here, is the Triple H honeymoon officially over? Because to me, just based off of what I've seen over the last few weeks, and mind you, it's very much has been small sample size for me the last couple of weeks. More so because you know, football in my mind kind of takes precedence over what's going on inside the WWE. Again, my day-to-day job revolves around sports, not sports entertainment. As much as I would love it to be all about the world of pro wrestling, day in and day out, honestly, I'm a big fan of the NFL, like a lot of people are. And it's starting to feel a little bit stale. I could be completely off base here, but I'm starting to feel a little bit of the burnout from the post Vince McMahon and early Triple H era, where it feels like, it's kind of going through its paces to a certain extent. Now, is it still good? Yes, absolutely. There's some great moments in the shows every single week. I think the big highlights has to be the Alpha Alpha Academy. I almost want to call them American Alpha like somebody accidentally did in their Fightful Select notes. But that—that's this is a moment that I can just say right here, right now, where Monday Night Raw, it's... It's still a three-hour struggle, a lot of weeks. But early on, when Triple H took over a lot of the day-to-day creative and stuff, you got to see this thing get a lot better virtually overnight. You're seeing a lot of great moments and surprises and just some really cool storylines all throughout. Now, it feels, to a certain extent, it's spinning its wheels and things are taking a little bit too long. And the biggest thing that I feel like is taking way too long is the reveal of whatever the White Rabbit is. No idea what it could be. We talked about it last week. The fact that this could be the signaling a return for Bray Wyatt would be an amazing thing. But at the same time, we don't know if that's even true. A lot of people were disputing it, whether or not it could be just Karrion Cross changing his gimmick. Paul London and Brian Kendrick coming back, to the WWE, which I highly, 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 highly doubt because of not just the whole Brian Kendrick thing of him speed running through AEW, having a match now, and the match gets taken away after some questionable tweets come out surrounding him. And you also had, obviously, Paul London in Triple H didn't necessarily always see eye to eye. I want to remember a shoot interview he talked about his relationship with Triple H and saying, you know, maybe not the best. So I think at the end of the end of the day, it'd be cool, but at the same time, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. So if we're going to talk about who's returning, I feel like it's more likely than not the fiend, but it's just how long are people going to play along and be part of the charade? Like you think about it. You started off with the cool QR code on Monday Night Raw last week that led to you going to a website. And that led you to, think, at 9.23 Eastern time on September 23rd, he was going to debut. People tuned in specifically for that. And what did they see? Probably one of the worst fireball jobs I have ever seen in wrestling. And thankfully, Karen Cross and Drew McIntyre, true professionals, were able to improvise on the spot people want to give carrying cross all kinds of help but he knows how to maybe save a segment that could have just been incredibly botched again the fireball spots one of the more difficult spots to pull off if you don't do it right unless you stage it to a certain extent like the last time i saw a really good fireball spot was of course The Keith Lee spot, but that was something that worked really well because they were able to do several takes of it, more likely than not, since this was very much peak pandemic era WWE NXT programming. Back when it seemed like there was somewhat of a competition between Monday Night Raw, excuse me, NXT and AEW Dynamite. Not anymore, not by a long shot. We'll talk about NXT 2.0 in a little bit. But then. We see nothing of that nature on Friday night. There's a QR code that says Monday night. That doesn't say Monday night raw, but actually has the exact coordinates to the arena of the Rogers Center where they were having Raw take place on Monday. So you think, Hey, Monday night raw, we're gonna wind up watching. Now he doesn't show up at all throughout the show. They do another QR code that leads to another video, which is actually on TikTok right now, and it has the coordinates for the show on Smackdown. Now my thing is. How much longer are people going to. Patiently wait. Before they eventually get tired of it. It's a lot like the boy who cried wolf. You hear the boy cry wolf enough times. Eventually you're just going to get tired of him. Crying wolf. And the next thing that's going to happen is. The wolf's going to show up and nobody's going to care. Nobody's even going to know it's there. I'm hoping they can. Stretch it out for a little bit longer. But I think. Once you get past extreme rules, that it's past the point of carrying on. You just need to kind of pack up shop, move on, and get to the next part of the story. Especially when you've got Survivor Series War games and Crown Jewel not too far down the road. But let's get back to actually what's going on inside the WWE squared circle. And there wasn't really much to write home about about Monday Night Raw. There were some cool things, namely... Again, the American Alpha excuse me, Alpha Academy I did the exact thing I didn't want to do earlier. But that match with Kevin Owens and Johnny Gargano. The entire intrigue with Braun Strowman, who, by the way, just looks fantastic. I saw a picture of him when he debuted. And what he looks like now, it's night and day and it's great to see. But Monday Night Raw overall had probably one of the coolest moments of the week with Candice LeRae returning to the ring. That was, again... A very nice surprise. We never thought she'd actually show back up inside the WWE for at least a good while. But it's also kind of a nice touch when you realize that Johnny Gargano made his return in Toronto a few weeks ago. About a month ago, it feels like. And then you kind of run it back in Canada, America's hat. And those two put on a really fun little debut match or on the main roster at least. And it was a complete surprise where nobody knew who it was exactly till the second Candice LeRae's name showed up on the Tron. Even when you saw the Poison Pixie, people were like, who? And then it wound up being, oh my God, it was very much a delayed pop. But when it hit, it hit. And it was a really nice surprise to see Candice LeRae have this return after having her kid and all this stuff. It's always great to see returns. This was a return that was a pleasant surprise. Just definitely... Did not see that coming in any way, shape, or form. We also got a really nice surprise after the match. He wrestled Nikki A.S.H., wound up winning, of course. But it starts to look like after the match, Nikki A.S.H. has officially taken off the mask. So it looks like she's going to finally get rid of the superhero gimmick that had definitely ran its course for a good while. Again. There's only so much you can do with the old, you know, superhero gimmick. Don't believe me? Go back and watch like the Hurricane stuff. The Hurricane stuff was cool as all hell, but I feel like at a certain to a certain extent, it ran its course and probably ran on a little bit too long, especially with WWE. But then again, they just love to beat a dead horse into the ground. And eventually, when they did drift away from the Hurricane gimmick, obviously because a bad hurricane wound up hitting this when they got rid of it not long after. And lo and behold, you wound up seeing Gregory Helms and probably one of my favorite gimmicks that I think a lot of people are underappreciated, underappreciated, I should say. So hopefully we get to see the old Nikki cross come back. Cause I think that's the right way to go about it. Cause Nikki A.S.H. Had a certain shelf life. And the second she got jobbed out to Charlotte flair, it lost all reputability and everything. Just wasn't a huge fan of that. The only other thing that I have to say about WWE in the last week or so has to be NXT 2.0. This is about the only segment that I wound up seeing. Again, I I've, I've had very weird like sleep patterns lately. I'll just legit be on the bed, and all of a sudden, watching Raw or NXT, and I just pass out. And this is a prime example of that with NXT. And it's not even a knock against the program. It's just I was dead tired. But the show opened up, and I absolutely popped for this. With the fact you have Braun Breaker, Ilya Dragunov, and uh, McDonough. I can't can't remember his name because it was Jordan Devlin before. But now he's McDonough. JD McDonough, thank you. And you get to see those three in the ring. And I absolutely popped for this because Braun breaker finally is starting to really embrace the meme. And he called all both of them out, said that, you know, it shouldn't be the other two challenge each other and he'll face the winner. Breaker called him out and said the way he sees it, if his math is correct, which it always is. McDonough has a 33 and a third chance of winning and called for a triple threat at Halloween havoc, which honestly that was a really cool move. and the, the crowd popped for the Steiner math reference. Absolutely just really cool, and I can't wait to see how that turns out. I know Dragonoff and Breaker by themselves could have an absolute banger of a match, but it's refreshing to see a little bit more personality from Braun Breaker rather than just the dude that's going to kick everybody's ass because that's basically what his gimmick has been in NXT 2.0 and hopefully he gets to show more of that personality before too long. Now, let's get to AEW Dynamite. A few things here and there that I'm going to get to right now. But we'll, we'll go from the beginning of the show because the town hall was wildly entertaining from the word go. Now, yes, I'll go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Luigi Primo, maybe the king of Ask Me Anything, you know, just meltdowns and how much his, like, trajectory fell apart very quickly because of some anti-vaccination stuff that wound up popping up on social media not long after his Ask Me Anything. Again, this dude was absolutely just on a rocket ship because he had that big moment on AW. But before that, he was making a lot of waves because of his gimmick after being in the business for so long. So it, that was great. To see him a few weeks ago. And get big booted by Ethan Page. And that leads to a really fun segment with Danhausen. But this time. It was hilarious to me. Because he winds up. Being just in the ring. All while the Jericho Appreciation Society. Is making their way to the ring. All dressed out in purple pants. And jackets and everything. It's hilarious to see. And the whole time you have. Luigi Primo spinning his pizza dough around. I popped for that. Luigi Primo brings out pizza from New York City to draw some heat from the Philly crowd. And again, they managed to make him work really well. Very funny, entertaining bit. And then we get to probably one of my favorite parts of this show, and it's by far the entire build-up towards Daniel Garcia versus Chris Jericho and seeing that kind of break up and eventually those two will be facing off sooner rather than later. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a full-gear ROH world title match because that would be the direction this is going to go. And Jericho is basically giving Daniel Garcia a bucket hat, which looked like something that Scotty Chuhati would never wear in a million years, even though that dude was the king of bucket hats. But I was blown away at how he looked like the rapping grimace with that hat on. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And that wound up changing the entire mood. And Garcia finally was just like, I don't need you. I don't need the Jericho Appreciation Society, and basically Deuces. Loved that segment. And then you have Brian Danielson come in, kind of stick his nose in it, and then he sets up a really fun match with Matt Menard, Daddy Magic Matt Menard. But it's really setting up for Garcia to break on through, be it with the Blackpool Combat Club or on his own. This is a great step for him. Brian Danielson and Matt Menard had a really fun match. It lasted about nine minutes. The finish, though, was pretty entertaining as all get out because you wound up having a little bit of outside interference with Angelo Parker hitting Danielson on the ringside mat with a DDT. Menard was distracting the ref. So Menard wound up up getting a two-count after a stack cover. but Claudio ran out, went after Parker, giving him a running European uppercut, and then picked him up and ran his ass to the back. I absolutely... Popped for this, some tremendous content between those two. And again, Claudio's strength was in full display here. Then we get to a town hall promo with Wheeler Yuta in the ring, calling out MJF, and said they have a real serious problem. And basically, he is fighting for a guy like Tony Schiavone, who wound up getting knocked over by MJF. Maxwell Jacob Friedman comes out. These two just go at it really good back and forth. But it's clear to see that, you know, MJF outclasses him in the mic, just like he does damn near everybody else in AEW. But Yuna's getting better on the microphone. The, he just needs, the biggest thing he needs to control though, is his, basically how he does his tone. Because it's always up, down, up, down, up, down. I understand it's a lot of just high energy. But there's moments where you need to have that just constant intensity. But also kind of follow the Jake the Snake Roberts type of promo. Where you talk slow. You talk like a normal person. And then you start ramping up more and more and more. till you get to the big moment that's going to get people hooked. And again, dude was performing... In front of his hometown crowd. Can't wait to see the match with MGF and Utah in Washington, D.C. That's gonna be a pretty fun match. Then we get to John Moxley versus Juice Robinson. Fine stuff here. Really didn't nothing I could really take away from the match. It's it was fine for what it was. Just don't remember much of anything from the contest. Mox, of course, wins as expected, leading up towards the match in a few weeks in Cincinnati. What a Tuesday night at that. Thank you very much, MLB, for giving us more of that kind of stuff. Thankfully, it's only for a month. It's not like how it has been in the past with the NBA on TNT, where just constantly you were getting thrown around from week to week. You're having some weeks where you were on at like 11 o'clock at night, others where you were on at like 4 in the afternoon. Thankfully, we only get this for like a month. Then we get to... Probably one of the more like head scratching moments of dynamite, and I don't understand why this was a thing. Yeah, Sor- Soraya cut the promo, really good stuff here, but it also set up a lumberjack match for the AEW interim women's title that was completely unannounced with Tony Storm and Serena Deep, which on its own would have been a really fun match, but whenever I saw this edition of the Lumberjacks, I sat in here in my room and I legit questioned why. Why have the Lumberjack match, it very much felt, with all due respect to the women AW, this felt like a WWE circa 2013-2014 type of match. That's what it felt like to me. The lumberjack match absolutely screamed. Early 2010, late 2000s, early 2010s, WWE Divas division. Still a good match. That avalanche pile driver was brutal as hell. But honestly, just not much more to it. Just a bit of a head scratcher if there ever was one. Ricky Stark's got a nice squash match against Eli Isom kind of to, continue to build his momentum because he is absolutely going to be a top flight babyface. Then we get to the main event, Chris Jericho versus Bandito, and this was an absolute banger. And you were, at, like that match had me biting a couple times on the finish. Never in a million years would I think I'd see Bandito and Chris Jericho tear the house down and put on a classic from bell to bell. Overall, the show was fine. It was just a couple moments where I sat there in my room watching the show live, and I was kind of confused about some of the booking decisions. And again, AW, for all that they're doing right, especially without some of the big names that everybody's kind of gotten comfortable with, Seeing and that's guys like CM Punk, the Bucks, and Kenny. They're doing the right things and kind of pointing themselves in a certain direction to say, hey, we even if we don't use these guys anymore, hey, look at what we got now. We've got guys that can go, and we've got guys that we are building up towards the future. And I think it's safe to say guys like Ricky Starks Sammy Guevara still is going to be or going to be guys. You keep an eye on in the not too distant future. Appreciate everybody for listening into the Cajun strong style podcast as per the use. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you haven't already, you can go ahead and leave us a podcast review, preferably five stars on your Apple podcast or Google podcast. Got some people who have already, but make sure you write one as well. That way, When you do that, we give you a little shout-out at the end of the pod. But until next time, enjoy the wrestling. Don't be a jerk. I'll catch you on down the road.